Live from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Hey, thanks for inviting me into your home. Anyone else out there suffering from cabin fever? Wow, come on, spring. It can't come soon enough. I know I'm Canadian and I'm supposed to embrace the winter, and I try, believe me, but it's hard to embrace minus 30 week after week after week, although this weekend was a little warmer. Uh, but I cannot wait for spring. Now, as much as I've had it with the snow and the ice, I'm thinking Iceland is a place I'd like to visit, maybe in the spring. Iceland has really got it right, I think. They had this peaceful revolution a couple of years back, uh, but you wouldn't know it because there was a virtual media blackout in North America. And after their their big banks failed uh, due to corporate malfeasance, the government du jour in Iceland expected the taxpayers to bail out the banks. Does that sound familiar, the way they did it in the United States and Cyprus and just about everywhere else that has uh, too big to fail banks? But the citizens of Iceland said, hell no, you're not going to pull a bail in and make us bail out the banks. So the citizens threw out the government. They formed a, a citizens coalition. They rewrote the constitution and they allowed the banks to fail. And lo and behold, Iceland survived which really exposed the big lie, right? That if the too-big-to-fail banks are allowed to go under, they'll take the economy with it. Well, it didn't happen in Iceland. And maybe that's why the media in North America didn't want to discuss the Icelandic miracle. And now, the Supreme Court, just recently in Iceland, has handed down the heaviest jail sentences for financial fraud in Iceland's history. They're sending the uh, the former heads of the failed bank, Kaupting, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, that's the name of the bank. They're sending them to jail. And so now we have these well-heeled Tony bankers made to do the perp war. We'll never see that here. You can uh, read all about it. It's one of the featured stories in our slide carousel at richardserrett.com. Check it out. And uh, maybe we can all learn a few things from Iceland. Imagine corrupt bankers actually going to jail. It's enough to melt those winter blues, isn't it? Hey, uh, just a reminder, tickets are now on sale for Follow the Truth 2. My very special live event returning to the Regent Theatre in Oshawa, Sunday, April the 26th. Uh, Dr. John Hall will be flying in for an exclusive presentation and meet and greet. Dr. Hall, of course, world-renowned authority on electronic harassment, organized stalking, paranormal investigator Rosemary Ellen Guiley will be there. Uh, Canada's Edgar Casey, remote viewer Dr. Douglas Cottrell, likewise. Uh, unpacking the Zapruder film, The Lost and Found Tribes of Israel, UFO, UFOs, Gods and Angels, uh, plus a few surprises. For more information, visit followthetruth.tv, followthetruth.tv, and uh, please help me keep this important live event series uh, going. Order your tickets this week by calling the box office at 905-721-3399, 905-721-3399, followthetruth.tv, and again, the box office, 905-721-3399. And uh, I'm, I'm putting these Follow the Truth conferences together because I feel so strongly uh, that it's time to tear back the curtain, shine a light backstage, explore alternative realities, and really to explore subject matter that the mainstream media simply refuses to acknowledge. And my next guest is really on that same mission. If you haven't yet um, subscribed to the World Affairs Brief, you really ought to think about it seriously uh, because Joel Skousen... Uh, 
is able to connect so many dots and 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 helps to expose the the secret machinations of world leaders. He is, as I say, the publisher of the World Affairs Brief. It's a, a weekly news analysis service. And uh, Mr. Skousen is also a, a political scientist by training. He speaks uh, multiple foreign languages, which he uses uh, to access information here and abroad. He specializes in helping readers understand the hidden agenda of those that secretly control both political parties and the U.S. government. He's also had a second career as the chief designer at the Secure Home Design Group, which specializes in helping people design and implement high-security residences and retreats. He's written several books in that field of security. And uh, to top it off, off, to top it all off, Joel was a fighter pilot for the Marine Corps during the Vietnam era. A great pleasure, as always, to welcome Joel Skousen to The Conspiracy Show. Joel, how are you? I'm just fine, Richard. Good to uh, talk to you, uh, despite the bad news that we continually confront ourselves in the world and the economy. Well, uh, forewarned, I guess, is forearmed, and, and that's the first step, is if people wake up to really what's going on, then they can sort of conduct themselves accordingly. Um, now, I, I know that this story didn't make it into this week's uh, brief, because it's sort of breaking news, but um, the uh, the assassination of a Russian uh, political opponent, Boris Nemtsov, in Moscow, um, former uh, assistant Treasury Secretary, Secretary of the Treasury under Ronald Reagan, Paul Craig Roberts, believes that Nemtsov may have been taken out by the CIA in order to uh, to further demonize Vladimir Putin. What are your thoughts? Well, it's unfortunate that uh, Paul Craig Roberts, uh, who's legitimately an anti-globalist, um, tends to view anyone who has the power to stick it to the globalist as the hero, and so he's picked Boris or Vladimir Putin as as the hero. So he's taken pro-Russian uh, defensive positions now for at least a year, and I think he's wrong here. Um, this is a complicated case, but uh, Putin is no hero, and uh, it would be very difficult for the CIA to run an operation like this in Russia. I mean, it's one thing for the CIA to operate with almost impunity in other countries in the world, but not when they're up against the KGB. Um, I mean, Russia is arresting double agents all the time. They're very, very good at hunting down these things. So I would find that very difficult. That said, here's why this isn't clear. Boris Nemtsov was a protege of Boris Yeltsin. So he came through the phony fall of the Soviet Union and never, of course, uh, he kept that secret even during his political career. Uh, anybody who's a, in the real opposition understands that the Communist Party simply went underground, still controls what's going on, uh, along with the KGB, which is you know, the new FSB, <laughs> its replacement. But anybody who comes out of this fall of the Soviet Union period as a political leader, as was Yemtsov, as was you know, Putin following along to Yeltsin, all of these were puppets. Now, there has been a kind of revolution in the sense that the original oligarchs who, who crafted this show and made themselves wealthy, Guzinski, Berezovsky, Khodorkovsky, and others, have been purged. And Putin appears to be behind the purge. He's now become the new oligarch in Russia. He is the wealthiest man in the world now, Richard Syrett. Is that right? That's right. He uh, took control over a company that, through insider dealings, basically takes a cut of every major financial and export-import transaction that goes on in Russia, estimated now to be worth $400 billion. Wow. 
richest man in the world. So corruption is live and well in there. But you've got to remember in Russia, there is real opposition, which is tiny, and phony opposition, which is large, and both of them are controlled by powers that be. So to me, uh, Nemtsov coming from as a Boris Yeltsin protege, uh, you know, you, we really can't tell if he's real opposition or not. Uh, it could have been, in fact, uh, you know, people as part of this purge mentality that went on uh, of the other oligarchs who would assassinate him to make Putin look bad. But I don't think it was the CIA. I think this is internal fighting uh, for control within Russia. Uh, Putin does have enemies. He, as I say, had did a purge. He had Boris uh, Berezovsky killed in London. He had Kuzinski exiled. Oh, Litvinenko, uh, wasn't it? Litvinenko? Right, right. Right. So, you see, this is uh, a work in, in progress here as the Soviet Union now comes out. Remember, the Putin is in charge of resurrecting Soviet strength and power, and he's extremely popular, except with the true opposition. They realize there's no liberty in Russia. It's all feigned. Uh, Putin rules with an iron hand and showing a lot of, you know, pro-Western, or at least not pro-Western, but, uh, you know, standing up to the West with both encourages anti-globalists here in the West to think he's the hero. He is not. He's a predator just like the Anglo-American globalists, just like the Chinese. He will join forces and is already doing so with China to prepare to attack the West someday. But but don't uh, you, uh, having said that, and, um, uh, Joel, don't you think that his actions in the Crimea are understandable given that the West just seems so hell-bent on poking the bear and after the, the wall fell down, assurances were supposedly made to Gorbachev that NATO would not encroach, uh, but they've been doing that. They've been very aggressive about encroaching, and I have no doubt that their end, end game is to, they would love to put nukes in, in the Ukraine. Now, if I'm... Not at all. Not at all. You don't believe that? Okay. No, you've got to remember that the West knew that there was a falsified fall of the Soviet Union. They've been playing along with Russia. I mean, if I could map out the phony parts of the Soviet Union, uh, the phony parts of the fall, the, the KGB supposedly tried to take off Gorbachev in his undefended villa and failed. Now, how believable is that? Yeltsin broadcasting on a tank in Moscow Square when, in fact, the Communist Party still controlled the television station and they didn't pull the plug. How believable is that? I mean, there's all kinds of things about how the... Central Committee made themselves wealthy and became the new oligarchs. All of this was a fraud. The West did nothing to expose it. They, in fact, bent over backwards to cover for the phony fall. They knew that in, in, in the media in the West failed to publish it. Eric Honecker on his deathbed in Chile said, Moscow gave me orders to let the riots at Leipzig go forward. Okay, we've got to take a, a break here, uh, Joel. We'll come back and we can finish up talking about that. I'd like to talk about okay. the, uh, the recent sentencing of uh, uh, some corrupt bankers in Iceland and, uh, and move on to uh, many other matters uh, covered in World Affairs Brief. The publisher and editor, Joel Skousen, my guest, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. The world is being pulled over your eyes. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. To reach Richard, call 416-360-0740. We are back with Joel Skousen, editor, publisher, World Affairs Brief. Joel, before we continue our discussion on uh, recent happenings in Russia and the assassination of uh, Nemtsov, Boris Nemtsov, 
let's uh, find out how can we subscribe to World Affairs Brief. World Affairs Brief does have a modest subscription price to support my work. People can get a free sample issue by emailing me at editor at worldaffairsbrief.com. And they can go to the website, worldaffairsbrief.com, and read a synopsis of the latest brief, uh, as well as click on the subscribe button if they want to go through the subscribe process. But I do encourage people to get a free sample copy. Excellent. Now, uh, just a final point on uh, on uh, Putin. And uh, you, you certainly you know feel strongly that he is the villain here. Uh, now, if this is in fact the case, that the Communist Party has simply you know rebranded itself and nothing really has changed, the Cold War is still on, why doesn't the United States make that case? Because they are getting a lot of flack, even from their European allies, who are, you know, Germany and, and, and others are not real happy about these economic sanctions because it's impacting, you know, their bottom line as well. Russia, uh, the, the EU is Russia's largest trade partner. Why don't they make the case and say to people, listen, the communists are still in power. You know, we, we have to be aggressive, aggressive with Russia. He is not the good guy. Well, it's because the globalists want Russia to be built up as a, a new enemy. They want Russia to attack the West someday. This is a complicated process that people raise their eyebrows about. But it's the only thing to explain why the U.S. continues, despite the token sanctions, and remember they're token sanctions, to continue to buy oil from Russia. The U.S. continues to buy rocket engines from Russia. They continue to allow economic and trade uh, to go forward with Russia, especially sensitive military technology, and the same with China. In other words, they're still building the best enemy money can buy because they want this war. So they will provoke in minor ways. But remember, they didn't even blow the whistle on the phony coup in Ukraine. The whole world thinks this was a pro-Western coup. But as I pointed out numerous times on the World First Brief, and I think even on your show before, is that only the pro-Russian side in Ukraine under Yanukovych could have ordered the Berkuth, the riot police, to stay in their barracks and let the opposition win on Friday a year ago. Right. And only the pro-Russian side could have ordered the party of regions, the majority party of the party, to oust their own leader, Yanukovych. I mean, the opposition didn't have any power to do that. So this was a coup made to look like a, front, a Western coup so that the West could get all the blame for what's happening. And the West continues to cover for that. They don't. They continue to throw out propaganda. They continue to intervene in minor ways. Uh, but no nuclear weapons are going into Ukraine because the West does not want to confront. They don't want Putin to lose in Ukraine. They know that Putin intends to win back all of the or most of the former Soviet states. And, he's, and he prepped that area, or, or the Soviets prepped it, by moving in millions of Russians into eastern Ukraine before the phony fall, millions of Russians into Georgia, millions of Russians into Belarus, millions of Russians into the Baltics, so that they could have an excuse, just like in eastern Ukraine, to stir up trouble and come in with the stealth invasion. So and the Baltics are next. But Putin is no hero. He is not going to stand up to the new one. He's going to attack the West, but it won't be for liberty. And it won't be to rid us of globalism. And the globalists want that same attack because they're going to use it to drum us into a militarized new world order, and Russia will be taken down in the next world war. So it sounds like what you're saying is that the globalists need Putin. They need him. Well, sure, they yeah. need him to resurface and rejuvenate and create the new Russian strong uh, uh, military. And he's doing it. He's rebuilding the military forces the nuclear forces, the uh, even new aircraft carriers, new ballistic missiles, and we're disarming. 
most Americans don't realize we just took, under Barack Obama, all three multiple warheads off our Minuteman III missiles and turned them into single warhead missiles. That's a 66% reduction in nuclear throw weight, unilateral disarmament. Uh, one, one last thing I want to ask you about, uh, uh, Joel, and then we'll, we'll get on to Iceland. Uh, true or false? I read, hey, it may have even been in World Affairs Brief, I'm guessing it might have been, but during the Reagan era, when the the Soviets were really a, a complete basket case, but this is, you know, sometime before the fall of the Berlin Wall, maybe 10 years, uh, and the, it, it could have probably collapsed earlier, except there were secret loans made to the Soviet Union, we're talking, you know, I don't know, in the order of maybe hundreds of billions of dollars, in order to keep the Soviets afloat a little while longer, it would be akin to... Uh, let's say, you know, a prize fighter uh, just beating his opponent but but needing the fight to go 15 rounds so he's basically holding up this punch-drunk fighter. Is, is that what happened? Is that true? Well, only partially true. Yes, there were loans uh, through other third parties uh, to Russia, uh, secret loans backed by the faith and credit of the United States, other uh, economic uh, uh, deals that were given to Russia, uh, but... It wasn't that Russia ever was going to collapse. Uh, no nation ever collapsed economically. The economic collapse of Russia, they went to the survival level where they were on bread lines and other things. That had been going on for 10 years. They were still a powerful military force. And to this day, they're still a powerful military force. This is a, uh, a fraud, the concept that, that nations collapse economically. Even the United States didn't collapse in the Depression with 25% unemployment. It wasn't even near a collapse. 75% were still working. So only through war, only in the end of World War II, did Germany collapse economically because nobody was working. They were all fleeing from the Russians. And they were bombed out. That's the only way that nations collapse, is through war. And that's where we're headed, eventually. All right. Let's talk very briefly about uh, uh, the Iceland Supreme Court handing down some stiff penalties to these uh, the, the the leaders of these this failed bank in Iceland and it kind of you know um, an interesting uh, dichotomy between what happened in Iceland uh, in 2000 2007 2008 and let's say the United States or other places where banks were on the precipice of failing like Cyprus in Iceland the government said we can't allow this bank to fail the citizens have to bail it out they said no they threw the government out I mean it was a it was a peaceful revolution they rewrote their constitution uh, they allowed their banks to fail. Why don't we hear about what's going on in Iceland? Well, obviously, it's an unpopular model, but there's more to it than just the so-called good people versus bad. Remember that Iceland is a socialist country. It was way in over its head with debt and still is. It still cannot balance its budget. So even though it's gotten rid of the debt by defaulting on the debt, You've got to remember that the bankers were really playing their role in bed with government, of getting loans that were going for development projects on behalf of the government for the people. And so essentially the people walked away stealing all that loan money from Europe and, and uh, wherever they got it from England. Most of those loans uh, came from and some from Norway as well. And the bankers were the middlemen. Now, there was fraud. There always is in you know, a fiat money system. But what I'm saying is this is Iceland has not gone back to a solvent state. They're a socialist country. They will not be able to maintain themselves, and eventually they'll be in the same pickle as before because the people, just like in Greece, will not tolerate lack of government benefits. 
And so this is only a short-term solution. While I'm in agreement, the nation doesn't fail when you stiff the big bankers. They need to go down. They need to go to jail. So our big bankers here who pulled off this uh, evil bailout system, this TARP system, and the bailing out of AIG and all of these people with the credit default swaps, this is totally illegal, you know, types of financial operations. But remember, the end beneficiaries is the socialist system, both in America and in Iceland, that is being fed by these loans, and, and people love it. But it won't, as I say, the economy won't go down. The bankers will uh, go into demise. But this is not a win-win for the people as it appears, because there isn't fundamental reform of the socialist indebtedness system of Iceland. Uh, Joel Skousen is with us, publisher, editor of World Affairs Brief, and uh, you alluded to Greece, and that certainly, uh, you know, is, remains a huge story, uh, where it looks like uh, Syriza, the Syriza party, very left of center, has its roots in the, uh, uh, the Communist Party in, in Greece, um, went to, uh, to Germany swearing, you know, they were basically elected uh, as an anti-austerity party, and after a, about a 50-minute phone call with Angela Merkel and the finance minister in Germany, uh, Syriza retreated uh, and got a, a four-month ex- extension on their, uh, their, their bailout program. Uh, is 2015 going to be the year of the Grexit, Greek, the Greece, uh, Greece either being kicked out or leaving the EU? Well, I have long predicted in the World Affairs Brief that Greece will not exit the EU and won't be kicked out because this is the EU is the crown jewel of regional globalism right now, the largest globalist government in formation that there is. Uh, and there is an increasing hostility towards the EU uh, versus sovereignty issue. Anti-EU parties are winning elections all through Europe. Nevertheless, these people, the globalists, are very, very powerful. They have their fingers in every country, and they will not take no for an answer. And I was right. They did sacrifice uh, and compromise with Greece in two major ways. One, first of all, they gave an extension. Greece wanted six months. They gave them four. But even and with the proviso, the Greek pay some of the money it owns to the IMF. It already is defaulting on that. It, does not, it says it does not have the money. It was allowed to come up with its own austerity measures, and so what they did basically was take away anything that would be painful to the to the Greek people. Um, massive uh, cut off of uh, the old bloated bureaucracy in Greece, which employs indirectly, you know, over 30% of Greek people. They were the austerity program before was going to make sure that they cut down the federal bureaucracy in Greece. So he he backed out of that so that he only said that they would uh, collect more taxes from the wealthy. Uh, They would still sell off a few state industries. Uh, None of that with the provides that nobody got fired. In other words, they picked two or three things that wouldn't require that the pain go to the people. The people have no tolerance for pain. It's a very highly indebted socialist country. And the people have simply voted for their benefits. And there's no way to keep paying it. Now, the problem is... They kicked the can down the road, Richard, but there's no way that Greece is going to get solvent again within four months. They want a no. repudiation of the debt, and I think that's what's coming next. Well, what should they do? Greece because keep... because the, 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 they're calling them the, uh, the the German wise men, these financial uh, heavyweights in Germany, that are telling uh, Brussels, we don't need Greece anymore. We panicked back in 2010, uh, but n- let's cut them loose. We don't need G- Greece in the EU any longer. Well, first of all, it means 
they'll take a loss on everything. That would be a repudiation of the debt. Debt goes its uh, Greece goes its own way, has its own currency. They'll be bankrupt again within another two years if they print their own currency. But the EU will absorb all of those losses. And, you know, it's kind of like, is another 10% bailout better than losing, you know, the 90%? That's what, and they've just given another tranche. And they're going to give another one in four months if they're not careful. The deeper they get in debt, the more the power to convince the German bankers to stay on. Because it's a losing proposition. But the the big thing, this is a matter of globalism. This is a matter of if Greece leaves, Spain and Italy could be next. So could Portugal. Portugal. And if those three leave the whole bottom bottom tier, then they've got a real problem in the EU, and uh, the British will probably pull out as well. So that's what they're fighting against. I think they'll do anything to stop this domino effect from starting. Now, it's possible that Greece could leave. They're not that big a percentage of the EU economy. No. But I can guarantee you they're not going to let Italy leave or Spain. No, they have an industrial base there, for sure. That's right. That's yes. right. Greece, so Greece has the sun and the... globalism, not just money, and I keep predicting and I keep being right that they keep compromising the eu compromised significantly for this bailout but they only kick the can down the road and frankly greece can't comply with the bailout conditions all right we will uh, take another time out return with joel skousen and uh look at some other big stories this week in world affairs brief including a secret detention center being run by the police in chicago very harrowing information coming your way on the conspiracy show my name is richard Serrett. There's smoke. There's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. We are back with Joel Skousen. Joel, once again, tell us how we can subscribe to World Affairs Brief. World Affairs Brief is at my website, worldaffairsbrief.com. Click on the big red subscribe button. But before you do, I encourage people to email me at editor at worldaffairsbrief.com and ask for a copy of the current brief, and I'll be happy to send it to you. All right. This is, uh, quite frankly, uh, a scary story, and it's about this detention center. Where I, I believe it's in the west end of Chicago. Tell me about that. Well, it turns out that Chicago has, for several years now, been operating a secret black site. The Guardian broke this story, sent reporters up there. The guys gave them the stone wall. Nobody's allowed to even stand in front of them, you know, threatened the reporters with it. They're acting just like the federal government torturing people, indefinite detention, um, you know, muscling people, not telling, not letting them, uh, you know, call a lawyer, just a violation of their rights. And um, what's interesting is that even the, um, the various lobbies, which are very strong in Chicago, trying to uncover corruption, didn't even know about this. I mean, people, this has been going on for at least 10 years. They even hired one of the major detectives out of this torture site, and sent him to Guantanamo. The federal government's hired him away in order to, you know, brief the people down there on how to do effective detention. Now, Joel, you're so, you, like me. You're you're um, pretty conservative, right of center. I mean, do you believe the Guardian? Let's face it, they are a left, more of a left wing leaning uh, a newspaper. Do you believe the Guardian? 
Do you, do you, oh, do you yeah. think they have the story well, right? The, they've talked to the victims of it. They've talked to people who've been there. I mean, this is not just uh, their supposition. Believe me, the Guardian has the goods on them. And sometimes, you know, even though I'm far right of center, center and uh, you know, a constitutionalist here in America, we sometimes rely on the left to get into key reporting things because the media won't let anyone on the right in to see these things. But the left has a free pass within the media. They can get into places, uh, you know, that we can't go. And so we often learn things from the far left. Uh, and that means that within the far left, even though they're socialists, there is a principled left, meaning people who legitimately, ignorantly, I might say, don't understand the victimization of who is hurt by their benevolence and socialism. But these people are benevolent. They do really want the government to assist people. They just don't understand the victims that are created by government handouts and socialism. I'm not just talking about the people who receive them. I'm talking about the people whose income is lost by regulation and Right. Okay, so the Guardian has the story right, but the, why Chicago? Why why are they doing this? Well, remember, Chicago is one of the three most corrupt cities in the United States, have always been controlled for many years by not only major um, underworld figures, but also big government. New York, Chicago, L.A., those are the three big that are the most corrupt, and they can't stay that corrupt without having a free pass from the Department of Justice. And it works both ways. I mean, that's how Emmanuel, Emmanuel um, you know, got in to be the mayor after leaving Barack Obama. That's how Barack Obama started in the corrupt city of Chicago. And it's not just mafia-style corruption. It's federal uh, corruption in league with the city covering up. Because, you see, the federal government has a seamless relationship with the mafia to do assassinations and other dirty work that they don't want to get caught doing. And in exchange, they make sure that there's only limited prosecutions from people at the periphery in the mafia. It's just like everything the Fed does. It both trades in drugs and prosecutes drugs. It trades in terrorism and prosecutes terrorism. It trades with the mafia and gives them free passes and prosecutes a few minor mafia people. If, if this is going on, in, if this is going on in Chicago, uh, and they've uncovered one, is it possible where there's one, there's more? Absolutely, I am sure they have black sites now, and uh, have for several years in L.A. and in New York, uh, and possibly in Philadelphia, another very, very corrupt city. There's a tremendous amount of corruption in police forces. It's not just the militarization of police. My files are just chock full of police abuse. And it's systematic now within these major urban areas. And it's not just against, uh, you know, racial minorities. It's against anyone, who, especially who, who denies uh, the power of the system and who comes up against the system. All right. We'll uh, take another time out. Joel Skousen is with us, publisher, editor of World Affairs Brief. When we come back, we'll talk about how to get hired by the dark side and something we've talked about recently here on the, on the program, the cholesterol fraud. We'll file that one in the Suspicions Confirmed drawer. Back with more here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Big Brother is listening, and so are you, to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. We are back with Joel Skousen, World Affairs Brief, editor and publisher. Uh, this is an interesting story, but it's just kind of a tease. Uh, it seems to be just kind of an anecdotal story, but uh, something, a conversation overheard at sort of at a party. Uh, about, it's, it's a title, How to Get Hired 
by the dark side. These are uh, people that are being recruited uh, by the CIA, uh, but this is not just sort of the normal branch of the CIA. Tell us more, Joel. Well, in every portion of federal law enforcement, whether it's DEA, FBI, CIA, there's a dark side and a white side. There's a white side that does the legal work of the CIA, the FBI, and the DEA, and then you get hired into the dark side to do the illegal. The DEA, for example, protects drug runners that are aligned with the CIA drug uh, cartels, like the Sinaloa cartel in Mexico. It's aligned with the DOJ, DOJ who ran that fast and furious thing about letting 3,000 weapons escape to the cartels, including automatic weapons, and no one was ever part of That was the dark side. And I've got a lot more stories other than these anecdotal ones, but for my readers who I told about the dark side of these things, this was particularly insightful. It was, comes from Dave Martin, who runs by the moniker D.C. Dave from Washington, D.C. He said, a late uncle of mine who flew a spotter plane for the Air Force during the height of the Vietnam War once told me that during his stint there, one of our intelligence services tried to recruit him. Now, this is very typical. I might interject here. Everything that I've studied, whether you go into Rodney Stitch's book, Defrauding America, right. one of the best compilations of all of the people who have been lured into the dark side. They used to mostly come from the military services. You have CIA crawling all through there looking for people who they can bring into the dark side to do illegal actions. And there was a lot of illegal action going on in Vietnam. And so he said he declined the offer, he told me, but only after he'd gone so far as to take a required psychological evaluation. The experience, he told me, appalled him. I could tell from the questions he said that they were looking for someone who was immoral. Many years later, I told the story to a small group of party in Washington, D.C., and among the group was a young man whose, whose friend strongly suspected being in the CIA. Unable to restrain himself, he blurted out, I took that test, and proving that he was, or at least he had been recruited to the CIA. Now, I have personal experience with friends my age. As I was going into the Marine Corps as a young man in my late 20s, they were going into the CIA and the FBI, and the guys that went into the CIA said they got assigned to go over to Europe. And on their first assignment over there, they had prostitutes show up at the door. They had individual rooms, prostitutes show up at the door saying, I'm here to serve your needs. And I said, no, no. And these were Mormons, by the way, you know, very strict right, right. moral habits. And uh, he said, no, no, I reject it. I said, no, no, I'm, I don't buy this. I said, no, no, it's paid for. The company, meaning the CIA, is paying for it. And he said, you know, everybody who accepted those services, you know, they were laughing about it in the morning at breakfast and everything, and, you know, he, they all seemed to know that he didn't accept. They got ahead in their careers. Most of them went over into the dark side, he said, and I, my career never went anywhere. Hmm. And so there's many, many indications that there are these dark side operations. That's part of the vetting process. They want illicit people who they have dirt on, and they film those encounters so that they can hold them hostage to them later on. It's why they didn't want Mitt Romney, even though he was bending over backwards to please the neocon establishment. It's just they didn't have dirt on You can't afford to person have, a, have a person in the White House that you don't control Incorruptible. with, with right. blackmail. Yeah, they, uh, they, that was uh, one of the things I heard about Romney is that they were very afraid because he was an outsider. They didn't want another Reagan. Then they'd have to uh, they'd have right. to foist the vice president on him like a, a bush to keep an eye on him. Exactly. So if you're corruptible, uh, that means they also know that they've got you know you have the goods on them. They're not going to turn into a whistleblower. 
Yes, exactly. And I, my sources in Washington tell me they've got dirt on at least 75 to 80% of Congress. And they start when they're in state legislatures. They start where they're in city positions. You know, this NSA spying is about getting dirt on people to a large extent. And the larger purpose of NSA spying, of course, is to get information on who are dissidents track them so that we can take them down someday. Well, let me play a little bit of a devil's advocate here on this sort of the dark this dark side of the CIA. And and that is it's an it's a you know, it's a dirty place out there. It's uh it's a jungle out there. Sometimes you need thugs uh to do your dirty work. Isn't it isn't that you know a, a possible am I rationalizing or I mean don't we need people that are willing to get down and dirty because that's who we're up against? Yes, it's true. There are needs for infiltrators to go in and infiltrate, and they're going to have to smoke and drink and carry on and other types of things. Uh, but and murder. What I'm, and murder. Right. Well, it's debatable whether or not you have to go that far in order to infiltrate. Um, and, you know, our government, this is a lot Hollywood, the impression that you're dealing with you know, about the need to do those things. And it's a very complex subject. But I can tell you, when you need that, you can use that. And they normally do when you get somebody who's broken parole and is already corrupt, and you say, look, we have a job to do, and we'd like you to go in as a double agent. But to go in and induce and corrupt people specifically and look for corrupt people, and this isn't just to do these types of things. What I'm talking about these people are being recruited to do illegal acts that they don't want criminals for. They want good, sound people with good, sound habits who are corruptible, who will look the other way about illegal acts of government. And they probably outnumber the criminal informant types, the criminal agent provocateurs, by 10 to 1 in the government. That's how many more there are of that. And, you know, you can't trust... Uh, really decrepit, uh, alcoholic, uh, criminal-type people to be in these higher-level CIA operations. You need clear-headed people, but who are challenged morally. And that's what the CIA was looking for. Psychopaths? No, no? not psychopaths. No, just immoral, amoral people um, who have their limits. To a certain, I mean, look at every high-ranking military officer in the United States. is a yes-man and has had to compromise its principles to get to the general officer qualification. But even they have their limits. I mean, when Generals Ham and, and Admiral Goyette got faced with this Benghazi stand-down, they refused, and they got relieved of command. But they were still yes-man enough to go to their retirement and refuse to admit that there had been a stand-down. One of the things I love about World Affairs Brief is you cover so much ground. It's not all about political subterfuge. Uh, the great story here about the cholesterol myth, and uh, I, oh, maybe a month or two ago, I had an uh, occasion to interview a Danish uh, doctor of internal medicine, retired, uh, Ufi Ravenskov, uh, who has been very outspoken about the cholesterol myth, and now this is actually starting to, this is one of those success stories where it's actually starting to filter into the, the mainstream media. They're, they're starting to latch onto this story. We've been sold a bill of goods about cholesterol for the last 50 years, haven't we, Joel? Absolutely. It's absolutely fraudulent. It started with the Framington Heart Study, the one that had been touted for years proving this, and there was no proof. 
they manipulated the data. They threw out all the good data in order to prove this. I mean, and it turned out to be that the you know the agricultural uh, sector was in this, trying to figure out a way to use trans fats and these other things. And uh, I mean, it was, a, it was a conspiracy between the medical establishment and the agricultural sector to force margarine. Look how many years that's been with us, and uh, you know all this phony types of oil. Well, now, you know, the medical establishment will never admit to this fraudulent data that was produced, this bogus relationship, but they're clearly trying to ease their way out of it without admitting guilt. And so now, as the New York Times reported, the nutrition advisory panel that shapes U.S. dietary advice eased, not rejected, but eased some of the previous restrictions on fat and cholesterol, while at the same time recommending Americans lower their consumption of sugar. Well, that's safe, of course. But they haven't, and this is very, they haven't stopped pushing statin drugs. Exactly. One in three. lowering drugs. One in three adults, I've read by some estimates, one in three adults in North America are now on Lipidor or some sort of statin drug. One in three. And these have tremendous liver-damaging side effects. They're very, very dangerous and all for nothing. But this shows how the pressure of the truth is finally making him ease out, but without admitting guilt and without stopping the pushing of these drugs. I mean, the cholesterol-lowering drugs, Lipitorin, some of the largest-selling drugs in the world, and I don't think they've got the courage to, to ever admit they're wrong. And, and the, other tra the other tragedy is, uh, because everyone was told, okay, you know, swear off um, um, animal fat, uh, swear off butter, swear off red meat, start eating more carbs, that's what caused, because carbs are, are converted into sugar, which is converted into fat, that's what causes it, caused the obesity epidemic. That's right, and it's still with us. It's still with us. Uh, they've got to get back. I mean, you've got to eat more of the saturated fats. They're wonderful for the body, especially from organic sources. The egg is I the mean, perfect fat food. train the body how to burn fat. Yes. Burn, uh, burning fat is much more economical for the body to do than burning carbohydrates and converting and storing it to sugar. And when you get used to the fat cycle of burning fat, using fat, fats melt away given that the thyroid is okay. And that's one of the problems, too. We've got low thyroid throughout Canada and the United States. Sixty percent of Americans are low thyroid, and low thyroid leads to cholesterol deposition in arteries, not because of eating cholesterol, but because of low thyroid, and it's produced by the body, even if you don't eat it. Well, that's one of the things I, I learned is that the, that the body is self-regulating. Your cholesterol, your body produces more cholesterol than you can possibly take in. That's at, right. Dietary-wise. And, and if you eat more cholesterol, your body will produce less. If you eat less, your body will produce more. And it's and not... It balances, balances the types, low and the high. So it's, it's very, very self-regulating, but it takes the thyroid to do that. And now with our depleted soils, low iodine level, we've got chronic hypothyroidism in the United States, and that also leads to obesity because the thyroid con uh, controls your metabolism. Lower metabolism, people feel cold now, they're not producing enough heat, they're not burning, uh, you know, uh, energy and producing heat. So that's why you have all these big, burly football players that turn to fat, obese lumps in their right. middle age, right. and their, their thyroids are, are gone. Well, I understand why they're circ really circling the wagons on this, this the cholesterol issue, because if we find out, okay, so they, they lied to us about that, what's next? We're going to start talking about fluoride, and we're going to start talking about vaccinations. Oh, boy, 
mean, they're really circling the wagons about vaccinations and even hyping this measles thing in order to get uh, justify eventual mandatory vaccination. I mean, that's the wrong issue to fix. I mean, it isn't even deadly to try to turn it into a deadly threat to mandate vaccines. It's been proven by various studies that, in fact, that the measles vaccine, the, the literature in the vaccine will say it can cause measles and it doesn't protect you. Right. And it was on the wane in North America long before the vaccinations came came along. Right. Same with polio. We know that That's the answer right. to polio is good sanitation. Yeah. All right, Joel, always a pleasure. Thank you once again. World Affairs Brief. Good talking to you, My Joel. My pleasure, Rich. Good to talk to you. All right. Bye now. Bye-bye. All right, that's it for me. My thanks to Tim Spreen, Albert Vinzel, back next week with a brand new show. Hope you'll be along for that. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.